And welcome back, folks. This is Nate Johnstone, and I am with Paul Anderson, and this is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast. And let me ask you, Paul Anderson, do you believe that there is a great move of God that is coming very soon in this country? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, I have been praying and contending since December, and it's stronger now than it was then. And that's six years mm -hmm. of praying and believing. And as you know, <clears throat> I started alone, and then I began to gather one at a time, mm -hmm. people to pray with me. And I feel like, it's like we're almost walking through the door. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd be surprised if in these initiatives that we're taking in the next couple of weeks, if I don't see some evidence of God moving powerfully. Mm -hmm. may not be full-blown, but I expect to see some activity of the divine. Well, I see, I see, I agree with you, first of all, 100%, but I see, I see moves of God in agricultural metaphor. Jesus, you know, often teaches in, in agricultural metaphors, and I see revival like, you know, like any other plant that you plant in the ground. And a lot of the activity of a plant coming to life and growing and preparing to be any great plant, whatever, even a tree, um, most of that happens underground. You don't see it. Mm -hmm. And I believe that all that God planted the seeds of revival a little while ago and that they've been growing down and getting ready to shoot up. And I think of bamboo, for example, a bamboo plant every single cell of that plant like you think of a think of a bamboo grove right and they're you know 40 50 60 feet tall sometimes giant 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 tree-like plants every cell of that giant tree-like plant was already formed when the plant was still underground wow. you couldn't see it yet there was no evidence that a bamboo plant existed and then it sprouts and as soon as it takes that next step, it shoots up. And there are some bamboo plants that grow up to an inch every day. I mean, an inch every couple hours, a foot a day. There's, there's one species that grows a foot every day. That is so fast that you could sit there and watch it grow. And these things go from zero to 40 feet in just a little over a month. It is nuts. Obviously, that's the kind of plant I'm hoping for when it comes to yeah. revival. I would love it to just shoot out and explode. It could be something more like a walnut tree that takes 50 years to really fully mature. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's, but fully mature is a good phrase. And fully mature means good fruit. So it's worth waiting for, for something that is fully mature. And so we don't know how it's going to happen. We're not going to try to guess. Um, God has, we believe God has told us some things and then other things we don't know. So we're just trying to hold, hold it loosely. And we aren't taking a lot of uh, pressure on ourselves because we know God's the one to do it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to keep a, just a very fun attitude. I'm just so thankful that it's finally happening. Mm -hmm. God is finally moving in a way that I've wanted him to move since I was a kid. And it's really exciting. But at the same time, I'm a little bit anxious, not anxious in a bad way, anxious in a like kid on Christmas Eve sort of way. Sure. Like Christmas morning is almost here. When it's gonna, I'm constantly looking at the clock. You know what I mean? When's it Christmas? When's it Christmas? Um, and interestingly, some of what I've sensed from the Lord is that exact thing, that he's the dad on Christmas Eve who is just as excited as the kids about what's going to happen the next day. Mm -hmm. And I really feel that from the Father, that he is, 
he does not look down at our culture and our country and our world right now and think, oh, what horrible people, they've made a mess of it, this is terrible, I'm out. He looks down and he smiles because he knows what he's about to do. And what he's about to do is wonderful. And nobody's, a lot of people aren't even going to believe it. They're not, they, it, what God is going to do in the next years is going to be so incredible that a lot of people are going to have trouble believing it's even happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited about it. Me too. Uh, so, you know, I was talking about when I was a kid praying for revival. So my, my revival story, my personal story of believing for a great move of God goes back a little ways. Uh, I had read about it and, and kind of grow, grew up around it a little bit as a teenager, as I said, in my church that had uh, sent elders up to Toronto like the second week <laughs> that oh. the Toronto uh, phenomenon was taking place. And so they came back and the Holy Spirit started to move and people started to encounter, I'd say encounter the presence of God in a different way, a new way, a, a good way. There was a lot more prayer ministry that would happen. Um, sometimes, you know, things would happen that I wasn't, you know, super used to, didn't really know what to think. Like people would sometimes fall to their knees in prayer or when they were being prayed for. Sometimes people would fall over, uh, like without being pushed over. We've talked before here about how, you know, pushing is bad. Um, but people would actually just legitimately fall over mm -hmm. um, under the power of God. And sometimes there'd be weeping, and there'd be lost time. And I experienced that a number of times where I was just in the presence of God, kind of somewhere else. And how old were you? Uh, you know, 13, 14, 15, mm. um, 12. Uh, at that time, they didn't let kids do ministry in the church that I was in, um, which we plan to change um, here. Uh, but we, we, they didn't let that happen, but I was a big, strong guy, so I was one of the catchers. <laughs> I, I was in charge of helping to... I could see you catching people. Uh, so I would catch people because yeah. sometimes when they were being prayed for, they would sort of go a little, a bit wobbly. Um, and what's happening there, by the way, just to pause and go into a theological <laughs> explanation, what's happening there is sometimes when the presence of God comes upon us in a way that is particularly powerful, it overwhelms us. It overwhelms our emotions. So, for example, some, sometimes in worship you may have experienced where you start to get emotional during worship. Maybe you start to weep a little bit during worship. That is extremely common. And what is happening there? Is it because you're sad during worship? No. It's because the Spirit of God is upon you and it's overwhelming your emotions. Mm -hmm. And so you start to get a little, quote-unquote, emotional. And that's all that's happening. It's not a bad thing. Uh, it's, it's just it's fine. Yeah. It, it's a good thing in the sense that you are submitting to the Holy Spirit and to what is happening. So mm -hmm. I tell people, if you feel like weeping, weep. Sure in worship. What's difficult is for me, if I'm leading worship, <laughs> that'll often happen to me and then I have to like, you know, try to compose myself because my job is to lead. I can, I can ball in worship another time on my own. Um, leaders have to sacrifice in that sense. And so sometimes the Spirit of God can overwhelm us emotionally. Other times it can overwhelm us physically. And so I think that's what was happening in those days when people would often Fall, fall to their knees or fall backwards or whatever is that uh, this presence of God, the power of God, was simply physically overwhelming for folks. And one of the things that happened to me a number of times is I, I was sort of just, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, lost in the spirit. Uh, the Bible describes it as a trance. It's a Paul was in a trance. So-and-so was in a trance. And trance in that sense doesn't mean something creepy. It means like 
he was somewhere else. He was in an altered state. He was caught up to the third heaven, it describes it as one point. Um, and I experienced that kind of lost time. And then like it finally sort of ends and you look at your watch and it's been like an hour and a half. And you're like, what? That was interesting. Um, and those kind of experiences are cool. It's like you get to sort of touch heaven in a new way, in a different mm -hmm. way that I hadn't experienced before and I thought it was really neat. And so I had experienced these sort of things, but I had sort of come to the conclusion that at least in the people I knew, it had turned into a slightly selfish thing. People wanted to go play around in the Holy Spirit and experience these things, which is not bad, but then they weren't particularly interested at taking that out to the world in order to get people to know Jesus or mm -hmm. to heal or to do the stuff that we're supposed to do. Like the Holy Spirit comes on us in power so that you can be my witnesses. That's what the Bible says. Holy Spirit will come upon you so you can be my witnesses. And I wasn't seeing that part of it happen. Yeah. I was seeing people the, enjoying the Spirit coming upon them, which is not bad, but they weren't then saying, all right, thank you, God, we do love this. Now, let us go out and yeah. be your ministers. Yeah. Let's, let's get the people Let's bring people to Jesus. Let's heal. Let's do all this stuff, right? Um, and I wasn't seeing that. And I was sort of being a teenager, getting a little snarky and like negative and critical about those kind of things. And so I was really seeking the Lord. Like, I don't feel like, again, I was a teenager, okay, 17 years old. So I was thinking things like, I feel like nobody gets it, God. I feel like nobody understands. And I'm the only one who, you know, so I was thinking things like that, which isn't great, right? Um, and... My family took a little trip to uh, a lake house of a friend of ours that we used to go visit often in Grantsburg, Wisconsin, where I would later pastor, interestingly. But we went to Grantsburg, and it turned into my first real spiritual retreat. I spent the whole time reading and praying, reading and praying, occasionally eating, and then reading and praying more. And it was a really, really great time. It was a unique time. It was a very Holy Spirit-focused time, and I was reading various I mean, Andrew Murray and Creflo Dollar and John G. Lake and Derek Prince and um, Watchman Nee. I was, that's when I was introduced to Watchman Nee, a famous Chinese theologian. And so I'm reading very different, like folks that if you got them all in a room would disagree about a lot of things probably, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I'm gleaning good stuff from all of them and I'm getting kind of into it and being like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And I want to serve you, but I don't feel like things are going well. And I was in a point where I was just sort of praying and hanging out outside, looking at the lake, just kind of relaxing. And God interrupted my relaxing uh, with a word. And it was really, really strong. There's been probably only a couple times in my life where I felt the, felt the voice of God this strongly. I didn't hear it audibly with like with my ears, mm -hmm. but everything inside me was rattling. It was so loud, if that makes sense. Um, you know, like if you turn up a subwoofer really, really loud, even if you plug your ears, you would feel it in your whole body. And it was sort of like that. Again, I'm not saying it was a physical feeling, although I don't know, I could look back on it, maybe it was. But, but it was very strong and it was very obvious that it was God and he was speaking and I needed to pay attention. And he said, I am calling you to help lead a great revival. That's what Ooh. he said. And I said, great, I'm in. And then it turned more from hearing a word to a vision. And I saw, again, not really with my physical eyes, but close because my eyes were opened and I saw it very clearly. Uh, I saw a sort of cartoon, think Bugs Bunny cartoon contract sort of a scroll that opened up on a table with a line to sign at the bottom and a calligraphy pen. 
And that's what I saw. And God kind of got my attention even more in a way that like, something's happening right now. I really need to pay attention. And he said, I need you to seriously think about this before you answer it. Hmm. And I'm like, what's there to think about? You want me to be a part of revival? I'd love that. That sounds really neat. I'm in. And he said, no, if you do this, it'll cost you the thing that you love the most. This is serious. And then I understood that this contract, it was like a covenant and he wanted me to sign it. He wanted me to make an, to have an act of my will saying, I am in on this and I know what that means, mm-hmm. at least in part. I know it means some sort of sacrifice, big sacrifice. Yeah. And again, 17 year old kid, that gave me pause. Sacrifice is not on the list of what a 17 year old kid is interested in doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not on the list of what almost anyone's interested in doing. So I thought about it for several hours in the space of like 30 seconds or a minute. You know how sometimes that works? When you, again, you kind of shoot up to heaven and you spend a minute really thinking about something. And I might get to do this another time, but I I thought, you know, what does it mean when he said you're going to lose the thing you love the most? The only thing I could think of was maybe a wife. I really wanted, even at 17, I wanted to be a husband and a father. Those were like my main goals in life. And I thought, well, what if God's saying you're not going to get married? If you do this, you won't get married. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, that would suck. But I thought, okay, even if it's that bad, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of made that determination. And I imagined myself kind of taking the pen in that vision and signing my name to it and being like, all right, God, I'm in. And then that was it. He didn't mm-hmm. say anything else. He didn't hand me a manual. He didn't give me a calendar or a timeline or tools or magic items or you know anything mm-hmm. like that it was just done so i assumed that revival would start you know roughly a couple weeks later um and it did not and that was 25 years ago a little over 25 years ago now and so in that time i've been praying waiting seeking studying yelling at god on occasion confessing about that and then and then praying more and then getting lazy and and and, and it, it's been a roller coaster you know Mm-hmm. But I've been believing and praying off and on since then. And I've also been living and making choices based on that inheritance word that I have from God that I know I can stand on. And so even that very next school year, I started making decisions based on the fact that, okay, I need to be serious that God has called me to do something and I want to do it. So I started a Bible study in my high school and we did a number of other things. I was on the student government. So we had a It was a Christian school. We did a dance that was all Christian music that they had never done. And I really pushed for that. And um, so there were a number of things that I did with Mm -hmm. this understanding, not that I'm going to start revival by doing these things, but that God has called me to something real and something serious. And I'm going to start acting like it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? And so because of that, although I haven't yet seen what was ultimately promised, and I'm hoping we're walking into those days soon, Mm-hmm. I have seen God do a lot that I don't think I would have done otherwise. Mm-hmm. I have made bolder decisions at times. I've gone out on a limb at times that I might not have before. Sure. Because I'm expecting God to show up. And at those, on those times, I will tell him, you said to me that you were going to do stuff yeah. when I do ministry. And so I am now going to let you do stuff. Mm-hmm. Instead of me doing stuff, you're going to do stuff. Ready? Go. Um, and that is that it increased my my faith and it increased my boldness. Did it work? It did because when you look at Acts two, you get a bunch of guys who are hiding and afraid, 
the Holy Spirit falls on them, and now they're out preaching boldly for everybody to hear and see, begging to be arrested. What takes, what, what does that? Mm-hmm. What takes someone who's scared and hiding and puts them out on the street corner shouting at people? The, the Holy Spirit. It's only the boldness that comes with the Holy Spirit can do that. And I've experienced that to a limited degree. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, like, for specific things, specific events. Yeah. And I felt God move in power, um, but, but it's, it's temporary. It's typically for ministry, and it's temporary. And I would like to see it more often. So that was 25 years ago. And then flash forward to fall of 2014. It would have been probably August, maybe September. And I'm at an ARC gathering. I don't remember if you were there or not, Paul. It was at Bridgewood. Mike had come into town, and Fred Tony was there and gave a prophecy, I remember. Um, and I was just worshiping, and it, I was feeling a little down. I had kind of been on a downturn lately mm-hmm. from not seeing anything and hearing anything at all from God. And it was just getting a little, you know, discouragement was knocking at the door. Let's put it that way. Oh. And I heard, again, out of the blue, that those surprising words of God you really have to pay attention to. Sometimes it means you're not listening hard enough or you wouldn't have to shout. So there is something to think about. Maybe spend more time listening every day. Uh, but sometimes it's just because it's really serious and he wants to get our attention. And so I'm praying. I'm doing worship at one of the tables there. And then God says, keep praying. The date is almost set. Mm-hmm. And I knew instantly the context that he was talking about. Keep praying. The date is almost set. It's almost coming. We're just about ready to go. The date is almost set. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, okay, all right. And that led to some confession of, okay, God, I confess that I haven't been going after this in prayer like I should be. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it kind of redoubled my willpower, so to speak, sure. uh, to pray for revival. And so I kept doing that. And then I tried to look up the email. I couldn't find it. But I know it was, it was probably January, February of 2015 um, I'm writing an email to someone totally unrelated. And again, God breaks in in the middle of that thing I'm doing. And he says, the date is set. Mm. Like very excited and loud and like a, like a siren almost. Like the date is set. It happened. Mm-hmm. It happened. So what I had been, you know, believing for, praying for, for years and years, it happened. The date is set. It's on the calendar. It's a done deal now. Yes. And... My whole plans for the rest of the night were gone at that point. Mm. Um, But one of the first things I did was I emailed you. I prayed about it for a while, and then I emailed you, and I'm like, hey, is anybody talking about revival right now? Because we hadn't really hung out that much at that specific time. But I know you know everybody, right? And so if there were people who were talking about revival, you'd probably know about it. Um, And so I emailed you. And in typical Paul Anderson email response, I sent a paragraph and he replied, we should meet. No, no, no context, no meaning, no explanation, just a semi-ominous, we should meet. And so, so we met, I think the next week, I came over for, to meet and you told me the story about, because I knew you weren't a revival guy. We had talked about it a number of times. Um, but then you told me the story about how now you are praying for revival and you're taking it very seriously. Mm-hmm. You feel like God has called you to pray for revival. And that had just happened, you know, a couple months before. And I was like, whoa, okay, well, that's interesting. And so you and I talked and, you know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. And I think fire encourages fire too. And I felt like, at least for me, 
you know, the, whatever level of fire I had when I was around you was much greater, if that makes sense. And so I was still um, pastoring in Grantsburg at the time, but for the next several months, I came over two or three times a week. We came over and we just prayed together, just you and I. We talked a little bit, dreamed a little bit about what things might look like, mm -hmm. but we mostly just got together and prayed and we kept praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And we, God started leading us towards certain things to pray about certain stuff. Um, we kind of had very similar feelings about what it might look like or what might happen. We wanted to know specifics about time frame, and God wasn't willing to do that at that time, probably because he knew we just needed to get together and pray. Mm -hmm. um, and we did that for a while, and then I spoke at Communitas a few times, talked about revival, talked about some stuff there. And then by the time the end of the summer came around, I was over here so much that it was like another job, almost. Um, and so I prayed about it, tried to make a decision, and that's when God said, all right, time for you to leave Wisconsin, come and be with Paul and just serve him and do what he needs you to do. That's your assignment now. That's your job. So then I quit there and then I came here and we kept meeting, talking about revival. And then, as you said, we started adding people in. Let, well, I remember, you know, Dave Heinrich. I think he would be a good one to bring. And I had only met Dave. I didn't really know him yet. Mm -hmm. um, but he started coming over and joining us in prayer and then, you know, a couple others. And then we started talking to people outside of sort of our sphere um, into some others in the Twin Cities and started getting together. And then a couple years later, we were meeting down at NCU and praying for revival. And they were really into it. A lot of the students there were really into it at North Central. Um, and now we've got other people that we are, that you've been, you know, meeting and praying with that I'm joining with you now. So uh, it's been a cool ride. And indeed, I'm, I'm looking forward to more cool ride in the future, <laughs> but with more stuff happening, maybe even. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're I'm no longer impatiently waiting. It's 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 much better to wait with hope. I have found. And, and for me, that hope is very personal because God spoke to me. He said the date is set. Mm -hmm. So like it's happening. I no longer had the feeling, which I did have before, that I have to sort of pray in order for it to happen. You know, and other people have talked about that, you know, referencing Revelation with the bowls in heaven that carry the prayers of the saints. And you have to pray till the bowls are full before God will dump them back out on the earth, which is what a great move of God looks like. And I think there's some truth to that. That's not to say that we bring about revival, mm -hmm. but historically speaking and from some of those scriptures, I think you can say that we do play a part. I think God in his sovereignty and grace touches people and says, you pray for this. You pray for this, you pray for this. And so he picks people to pray. So that's him. That's God initiation. Mm -hmm. Reaching out to touch on people to pray. I think of the two old homebound ladies in the Hebrides in Scotland mm -hmm. who God reached out to. One was blind, one was lame, right? Yes. And Peggy and Christine. Peggy and Christine. and Peggy was blind and uh, Christine was an invalid and uh, they didn't leave their place. Yeah, they couldn't leave their house even. Mm -mm. But God just touched them and put it on their heart, pray, pray for a revival, pray for a great move of God in this whole region, in this whole area. And so those people whom most humans would look on them and say, well, they're not a huge, you know, asset to society, mm -hmm. right? In our, in our human way of looking at things, but they were the A-team for heaven. That's for sure. They were the front lines. They were the Navy SEALs. Yeah. I mean, they are. They they prepared the way. 
-hmm. for what God was going to do. And so I think that's how God moves. And we see it in other places. We see it in scripture. God sovereignly touches people and gives them assignments. You pray, you pray, you do this, you do that, you pray. And then eventually after that happens enough and whatever you want to say softens the ground, plow up the ground a little bit, then God plants a seed and it starts to grow. And eventually it gets, that plant gets to the point where it, it comes, it either bursts forth, bears fruit, whatever, uh, agricultural metaphor you want to use there. Um, but we've seen it over and over again in our country, over and over again in other countries. We see it a lot in the Bible. And so that's what we are praying and believing for. And I believe it's happening. Again, for me, it's a done done deal. The data set. It's, sure. it's on the calendar. God knows it's happening. And it's just a matter of doing all the prep work right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to do the prep work in my own life and, and set other things aside, put every, mm-hmm. make sure I keep everything up on the altar which is, I think, what the Abraham and Isaac thing is about. You know, Isaac represented the future, promise, everything you expect and want from God. And God said, here it all is. Now I want you to give it back to me. Yeah. And every one of you listening will have that moment, if you haven't already, where God will ask you to put everything up on that altar. All your hopes and dreams, your family, whatever it is, he will ask you to put that up on the altar and say, will you give this back to me, and will you do what I ask you to do? Mm-hmm. It's another level of faith. It's another level of servanthood. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's another level. And if you haven't yet experienced that, you will. And I think it will happen soon. I think God is doing this exact thing all over the place right now. And for many people, that's the beginning of revival yes. for them, is when they finally fully bow the knee all the way. To God mm-hmm. and give Him everything in their life, even their money, mm-hmm. even their time, even how much time they spend on Netflix, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they really are willing to give it all up to the Lord. And again, it's not a legalistic thing; it's it's a obedience thing yeah. to the Lord, and that that's where revival starts for a lot of folks. But but we're praying about it. I I'm very thankful that God brought me to you, Paul, because it's a lot easier to do this with somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Which is why we keep bringing other people in because it's easier to do it with a team than yeah. it even is with two. Yeah. It's just more fun. Mm-hmm. And God speaks in a plurality of, of people. So that's very helpful too. Is there anything else you want to add to no, that? I know no. that great story. Mostly my story for this particular podcast, but yeah, that's wonderful. Hopefully it, it encourages some of you. Um, maybe I'm going to end in prayer because, uh, there may be some of you that have been waiting on something for 25 years mm-hmm. or a long time anyway. Maybe you've been waiting on God to fulfill a promise that he made to you. Maybe you're waiting on something God has called you to do, but you're not doing it yet. You haven't mm-hmm. been released into what he called you to. Maybe you're waiting on healing or a miracle or something. Maybe you're waiting on a prodigal to come home and you've been praying forever for this prodigal to come back and she hasn't come back. He hasn't come back yet mm-hmm. to the Lord. Um, if that is you... I want to pray for you right now. Father God, perseverance is one of the hardest fruits to cultivate because it takes so long to cultivate that fruit of perseverance. And so for people who are listening to this, whenever they're listening to it, if they have been praying for something for a long time and yet to see it, I pray that you would Give them grace to keep praying, 
And if they kind of let it slip by the wayside or they just haven't been praying much like they used to about this thing because they just, they just gave up because maybe it wasn't working, I pray that you'd help them to confess that, to repent. Lord, I repent that I stop praying for this thing that you call me to pray for. Or I stop pursuing this thing you call me to pursue. Whatever it is, repent and ask for the grace and the will and the energy to renew your pursuit of God, your pursuit of that thing, that person, whatever it is. And Lord, I pray that you would give them that grace and help them get back into it. I believe the days are coming. We're entering into these days now where for many, many people, these things that you've been praying about for decades are going to start happening. They're going to start happening. And prodigals are going to come back into the church in droves, like all within the same couple months. Like it's going to be nuts. You might have multiple things you've been praying for. I've been praying for multiple things. I've been praying for my own healing my whole life. And I believe that the days are coming when you're going to have not only current prayers answered on a far more regular basis, but you're going to have many of these things that you've been praying for and being faithful to for years and years and years. They're going to start happening. So do not give up. That's my exhortation to you if you're listening. Don't give up on what the Lord called you to do or pray for or pursue. Keep the faith. Maintain that perseverance because you might not see the finish line right now because maybe it's just over a hill, but it's close. It's closer than you may think. So do not give up. I bless you with that perseverance in Jesus' name. Amen. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.